0: The Buddha once said that all experience is led by mind, preceded by mind, shaped by mind. That with our thoughts we make the world, and that all that we are arises with our thoughts. Given such a pivotal statement, we could easily imagine then that in this teaching it would be an emphasis upon you know, a sustained focus upon what is going on in the mind, in the heart, given its, its function of shaping our world moment to moment. But it's actually not so. Instead, what is placed really in the center of the path of development, in the center of the path of uh, cultivating mindfulness, is the body, is the body. This continues to be so throughout our entire retreat. It is very much so in in the teachings on developing mindfulness. The in you know, if you look at the text, the primary text on developing mindfulness, the very biggest section is on the body. The other sections, you know, get a paragraph. The body gets several pages. Mm. In fact, the Buddha went even so far as to say that when there is no mindfulness of the body, there is no mindfulness at all. This is something to explore in our own experience when we sit and when we walk, when the, our attention departs from that awareness of what the, how the body is in this moment, how easily those moments of departure are moments of entering into realms of imagining, and speculating, and fantasizing, and preoccupation. And when we come back, it is always to the body. I think women know a lot about bodies. Um, you know, many of you, many of us have cared for small bodies. You know, We care for aging bodies. We care for this body. And... Given, I think, how central the body is in many women's life, we would easily assume, well, this is going to be a, a cakewalk, you know, mindfulness of the body. It's not so, is it? It's just not so. And there, there are so many reasons, I think, why it is difficult to really be this embodied presence, which the Buddha constantly points to, being embodied. Embodied inhabiting this body, abiding in this body. And you'd think it would be easy, but so many reasons. If if you turn your attention towards the body and you meet discomfort or illness or pain or chronic pain, this doesn't really feel like a place we want to be. Um, This actually feels like the bad neighborhood. You know, we'd rather be somewhere else. Um... Given our society's preoccupation with appearance, which has often fallen so heavily upon women, you know, it is not always so easy to look in the mirror and feel right at home, you know, and feel this is just fine. Uh, So many young women in the epidemic of eating disorders, you know, not wanting to have the body they have thinking they should have a different body. For some who've had histories of uh, violence or abuse, disassociation from the body has often been a survival mechanism. So many, many reasons why we don't always feel so comfortable being within the body. And perhaps it is that very discomfort that encourages us to turn towards the places we most easily disconnect from, most easily dissociate from. Because I think, if, you know, there's a... Uh, my own sense is that when we're not at home in the body, we're actually really often don't feel at home anywhere. And we're learning to befriend this body, we're learning to understand this body, we're learning to contemplate this body... And in the teachings of mindfulness, it's, it's not just about observing sensation. It, it's not just about, you know, having a sort of static abiding within the body. It's always a question about what are we learning within the body? What are the insights? What are the lessons that are being offered to us? I think the first one is very clear within the teachings of mindfulness and it is about non-identification, which sounds a rather sterile concept. It's actually a very powerful understanding how easily within our relationship to the body it's actually distorted by identification. This is me. This is who I am. What is happening to the body is happening to me how our sense of self is shaped by how we perceive and how we experience our bodies. So the the teachings of mindfulness begin with a refrain which continues right through its development of to know the body as the body. Sounds easy, doesn't it? But actually what it's implying is is a kind of dropping away of all of those familiar reactions of craving and aversion. I don't want this to be happening. I want my body to be different. I want a different kind of experience because that would make me different. It would make me better to know the body as the body. And this is an ongoing learning for us as we enter into this doorway of mindfulness through the body, whatever is experienced, the painful, the pleasant, the places of disconnect, to know the body as the body. And this is one of the kind of most pivotal and transforming understandings of our lives is to be able to release the contractedness of identification. And we spot this during the day, you know, the moments that we flee from the body, the moments of dissociation, the moments of resistance, the moments of apprehension, the moments of judgment, to come back and to know the body as the body. By developing mindfulness within the body, we learn a great deal about this capacity both to apply and to sustain an intentional way of being in our lives. Again, this is a very major shift. So much of our lives can be governed by impulse, can't they? We move away from, we move towards, we resist, we reject, you know, we, we, we kind of contract There's a Roman philosopher once wrote, said, you know, we, we dance through life like puppets on the ends of the strings of our impulses. It's big, isn't it? I mean, but it's not hard for us to spot that. You know, have you ever found yourself turning up at the notice board and not quite knowing how you got there? You know, or suddenly, you know, leaving your walking path, finding yourself in your room, thinking, oh, Don't quite know how that all happened, you know, or found yourself kind of lost in a thought storm or an emotion storm, feeling mystified. That how much we kind of move through life on the ends of the strings of our impulses, our reactions, and you know, an intentional life is 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 something quite different. It's it's a wakeful life. It's it's what actually links. Intention links is a kind of central link between our aspirations and our longings and what we actually do, and how we speak, and how we act. So within the body, we're learning both to apply and to sustain this intentionality, to begin to lessen these places where, of being lost, of being forgetful, of being disconnected, we're learning this within the body we're learning something between about the difference between our stories about what is going on and what's actually happening you know that that discomfort in the knee is not implicitly a trip to the emergency room it, it, it's it's a discomfort in the knee. How, how easily we build our stories, our narratives so quickly and mistake them for being what's actually happening. So we learn to come back what we're actually experiencing. We're learning to strip away all of those extra layers of likes and dislikes and preferences and narrative building to actually see the difference between our story and the actuality. And I would refer back to the example I gave last night of the children in the restaurant. Hmm? We're learning to come back to what is actually happening rather than our construction about it. It's a real training in unbinding, you know, because every time, you know, you, you get lost, you get lost in, a, in some preoccupation, you get lost in memory, get lost in plans. And then we wake up and we're aware that we're lost. And in that moment of being aware that we're lost, that's a, actually a moment of celebration. You know, It's a moment of returning, and we come back to the body. And that willingness to do that, rather than being enchanted with our places of being lost, is a real, such a training in unbinding, in simplifying. Hmm? Come back to what is actually here, this present moment recollection of the body within the body we're learning something about equanimity, such a an unusual word you know we don't use it very much in English equanimity, um, but it 's also a cultivation by learning to find a sense of balance between those the spectrum of experience, the pleasant and the unpleasant learning how to befriend all, how to include all, how to be close, equally near to all, close to all, rather than being knocked into the extremes of being for or against or pushing away or trying to keep. We're learning something about equanimity. We learn something about The mind-body relationship, you know, in in Buddhist psychology, we would never say mind and body, or mind and heart. It would always be mind slash heart, mind slash body, mind slash body. It would it would never be and, you know. There's a recognition of the interrelated, interwoven nature of mind body experience. How there's a a feedback loop that is constantly going on between these two. You know, there's a very weird kind of research project into happiness and they ask people to put a pencil in their mouth this way, you know. (laughs) That way. And and you know, just doing that with the mouth would immediately affect the mood into a kind of contractedness, and I ask people to put a pencil in their mouth this way, it will immediately affect the mood. You know, just that interwoven nature of mind-body experience, you know, how, you know, and I spoke about it yesterday, and we spoke about posture, you know, how this posture is sending messages to the mind saying, just check out here. How this posture is sending messages to the mind saying, let's try and be here. Hmm? We see how often when the, you know, the mind is agitated, body is agitated. You know, Body is agitated, mind is agitated. How there's this constant flow of messages. But learning to be present within the body, we're learning a little bit of a, a kind of simpler access to understanding many of the moods, many of the emotions. We learn to kind of sense what is the body of sadness what is the body of agitation? What is the body of calm? And we begin to explore that very, very directly within the body, not our narratives, not, our, not our, the complexity of our stories. But how is this? How does this feel? How does sadness feel? How does agitation feel? How does aversion feel? We're developing this quality of curiosity, of mind-body, through the doorway of the body. And we learn to do this so, so constantly. And th- this is really the skill of this practice: that we're not, you know, periodic visitors to the, muse- the museum of the body. You know, we're, we're, we're actually, we're, we're making our home there. We're making our home there. And I really, really encourage this today, to really highlight, whether sitting, standing, walking, or lying down, what it means to be an embodied human being, an embodied woman. Someone who is really befriending this body, just as it is, rather than being in opposition to it, or antagonistic towards it, or apprehensive about it to really befriend this body, just as it is, moment to moment. In the entryway into the Satipatthana discourse, as I mentioned last night, it often begins with being mindful of the body, breathing knowing the breathing as the breathing, calming the formations, calming the agitations. There's a lot of different ways of being present with the body. And again, you need to be responsive to your own mind state of the moment. I mean, if the mind feels very, very scattered, very fragmented, very unsettled, It is really helpful to have a very specific anchor, just as I mentioned yesterday in the walking practice. Ah, breathing in, calming the body. Breathing out, calming the body. Breathing in, calming the mind. Breathing out, calming the mind. There are other times when the mind is really feeling much more settled, much more spacious. You might sit with just an awareness of the life experience of your body in this moment. All that is changing, the spectrum of experience within the body, that receptive mindfulness of simply knowing, being touched by, being connected with. Sometimes, you know, people find that it's helpful to just kind of do a check-in with the body. Ah, how is the head, the face feeling just now? How is the neck, the shoulders, the arms, the hands, how are they feeling just now? You know, how is the trunk of my body feeling just now? How about the legs? You know, there's there's kind of check-in, you know, of this range of experience. We learn something about coexistence, don't we? Because you can sit and you have a pain in your body, you know, the back of your neck's feeling perfectly well. You know, you might have a a stress place in your back, but meanwhile your belly is feeling just fine. And we learn that one does not deny the other. We learn about a kind of peaceful coexistence between this range of experience. And this can change a number of times in a single sitting. And yet always it is the body to which we return. It's the body where we learn to establish, where we learn to befriend, and where we're actually developing many of the qualities of allowing kindness, compassion, patience, that are truly the trainings for our lives, not just for a sitting period. Okay, so begin the sitting, as always, by just taking our seat... And feeling the body sitting, just here, just now. Developing a relatedness to the body experience of the moment. What it feels like to have a back and a neck that is upright. What it feels like for your body to be touching the ground, the cushion, the chair. What it is for the body to listen wholeheartedly. It feels like to know the body breathing. And cultivating a calm abiding within this body, within this moment. a wakefulness, a curiosity, a sensitivity... Mindful of the moments of departure from the body into thought, into image. Simple knowing, not judging, just aware. Being willing to return to just this, just now.